Hey everybody, this is Titan Fox from Hammer King and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. In my opinion, the most enjoyable thing out there. Thanks a lot. I've already hit record. Thank you for joining us. Like I said, I'm Bruce. That's my partner, Chris. It's, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Nice to meet you, Bruce. Good to see you, Chris. Let's talk King Demonio. Good to see you too. Well, you so you oh. like you want to meet him, but it's only good to see me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, I'm totally sorry. I will I will do the other one. That seems easier. <laughs> <laughs> right. Going, thanks, Chris. We'll go in the other interview. Hey, let's talk King Demonium. Holy shit, is that a good yeah. record? Thank you. Thanks a lot. It is so great and so classic. And we, Chris and I were just talking so well produced and so reminiscent of like the early power metal masters and that whole classic thing. I applaud you very well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I think the, uh, the, the thing that we did this time, which is probably the closest to the, the early or the classic metal albums, is that we didn't have any bloody time. So we did like, <laughs> like we did in the 80s. When you remember, like, like Saxon having two albums in 1980, Priest having two albums in 78 right. and so on, they were using the time that they had, which obviously led to this quite free spirit in the music. And this time we didn't have much time as well. So we, we gave everything we had and we worked super fast, as fast as we could. And in the end, it seems the album has a very good spirit. So it might be the key. It doesn't sound like it was done quickly at no. all. I mean, we had we had like it, three, and a half, three and a half months for writing, probably. And um, then there was one month for recording. But uh, one month for recording oh my God. is not that much, actually. No. You can't no. do it. It's possible. The, the, the interesting thing is there's there's been no alcohol and drugs drugs in, in, in my in my system during the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the recording. But I hardly remember a thing, honestly. I hardly remember a thing because it was so fast. I only had... One list, you know, I'm German. That's what we do. Do this, do this, do this on time. And it was quite, it was quite a strain, but it, it really was wonderful in a way. That's great. The thing about the, this, the thing that struck me about it is it sounds super modern and super mm -hmm. slick, but I also felt like there was like almost like this little bit of 80s glam mixed yeah. in there somewhere. And I couldn't quite put my finger on why I felt that. But it made me feel good. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it is the mix of the production from Jakob Hansen, who is that's what's why we chose him actually. When, when I don't know if you know the latest Pretty Mates albums, the Kingmaker and whatever the name was, Pandemonium, and there was another one called Motherland. Fantastic albums. The the Pretty Mates sound super fresh, like a young band. But the style is totally rooted in their their own in their own history, if you want so. So you have this mix of a very up to date production, which is super melodic and very very powerful at the same time. And when Napalm suggested working with Jakob Hansen, I was the first to say, yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> because I like the Pretty Mates thing, because that's uh, usually when you have a modern production, the, the music loses this this sort of. 80s melodic side and, and when Jakob's producing the vocals sound super melodic and I mean I, I, I have the recording before he produced it the vocals were very good but I really love my vocals when he produces me I don't know what he does but it's fantastic is it is it the way that he coaches you while you're singing or is it 
more of the equipment choice and processing choice. I really don't know because I re we record at a Charles Gravel's place, the guy from Powerwolf, and we work together. And once everything is recorded, we send it to Jakob Hansen to Denmark. So I've never met him and I've never, honestly, I've never talked to him. I've only written emails. I, I joked to, to, to Jakob's production, to, to our guitar player, Gino. I said, and even if it's only one button that he presses when he's going to the kitchen, the button is magic. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's doing more than pressing a button. That's obvious. But whatever he does, he has, he has a certain, like, like, a, like a photographer, when I do a photo, it sucks. Another one photos photographs the same thing. It looks like magic. So that's what he does. That's great. That's very, very cool. Now I have a question out of left field. If Satan is coming home, did your grandma did your grandma get mad at those lyrics? <laughs> so that mom. Oh my god. That's on my list that's too. <laughs> super fantastic. That's is it really? Super, super, super fantastic for many reasons that the same time because um i actually dedicated this album to my grandmother oh and uh, she wasn't into heavy metal because she honestly believed that heavy metal is uh, the work of satan <laughs> and uh, the, the wonderful the wonderful lady uh, turned almost turned 97 years old but she she left this world and traveled to the next world in in, in no it's absolutely fantastic she had a he had a she had a very good life and we were absolutely at, at peace with everything so I dedicated this album to her <laughs> with music that she would never like. And even <laughs> Satan is coming home. It's on the album. So I hope you really, you are okay with me now. <laughs> I think she's fine. But uh, a friend of mine, uh, she asked me, uh, what about Satan is coming home? She's very spiritual. And he said, do you really think it's good to sing Satan is coming home? Because you know, when you sing it, he might do that. And I told her, read the lyrics. You understand this is what society is about. And read the lyrics of the last song, Age of Horizon. And you see that, that the lightful side is, is winning at the end. So am I forbidden? Is it forbidden to to that scene as well? So Satan is coming home. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That I, was I on my it. list too. <laughs> because I only I only heard the one song so far. Oh, oh my golly. Okay. Yes. Bruce, Bruce, I think, has the whole record. I do. I hope so. Uh. Yeah, but um, I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, man, this is kind of like a throwback to like Norway or something. But with power metal, I was just like, I, I couldn't really compute it in my head. I was just like, what's happening here? But now I get it. Good scene, bad scene, bad yeah, scene, good scene. Absolutely. Yeah. What's it like playing uh, summer festivals and getting out back on the road again? Oh. Oh, fantastic. I mean, first of all, we have never, we had never played major summer festivals before. So this, this year we had uh, Rock Hearts with 25,000 people and we had uh, the Summer Breeze with uh, 40,000 people, which is very amazing, actually. And I mean, uh, I always see it as a chance if there's 40,000 people, maybe we can reach 4,000 of them or 10,000 of them, whatever, and, and, and introduce them to a band that they probably might not have heard before. So that's a big chance, actually, to to make a step forward. Is, but, it, um, is it intimidating being out in front of 40,000? Well, I don't know. We, we didn't have 40,000 in front of the stage because they have several stages at the same time. So I don't know how many people there were, but it was people wherever the eye looked. So it was fantastic. Right. It's um, For me, actually, I'm, I'm a person who's, who's very uptight and nervous when I have to play a club show. When you have like like 60 people standing this close to your face and the problem is that you see the facial expression of every one of them 
at every second. So when you do one thing and the people mm, look like this, you always start thinking, oh, maybe the song isn't that great. Maybe I messed up, whatever it is. And you're under a lot of pressure when you're in front of some some hundreds of thousands of people. The energy in the audience is absolutely there. So for me, it's always like like uh, being on the couch and watching my favorite movie in a way, because there's so much energy and life in, in, in the audience. That's the greatest thing actually to happen. And, um, so it's, it's super fantastic to play it. And at the same time, um, um, of course, after these these two rather sucky years that every one of us had to experience, it was very, very rewarding to to be on a stage, any on any stage again. That's fantastic. And the interesting thing is I had so many, so many fantasies how it would be stay, setting on a stage again. Uh, and, and at the moment when we could do that, the intro tape was rolling. I, I stood on the, at the same place as always, and it felt like my last show would have been a go, five minutes ago. So it's, oh, wow. it's very strange. In a way, it wasn't special at all. But gladly, it wasn't that special. It was very natural, and glad it's back, actually. I, I can't remember who I heard an interview with, but they said the first time they went back on stage after COVID, it was like having an orgasm in public. <laughs> I hope so. They were just... <laughs> They're just so like, oh my god, this is crazy. I mean, I, I have to, I have to say, the first shows, the first two shows, three shows, I think three, three shows that we did, were in Germany, where uh, our wonderful government had the beautiful idea that everyone is supposed to sit permanently and uh, wasn't allowed to move at all. So playing a metal festival for for a sitting audience is very, very humiliating because <laughs> you give all your your energy. And it feels like they hate you because they're not, <laughs> they're, they're not able to react. So they, they were cheering and singing like maniacs, but they didn't come anything back. So what, once we played the first show with people standing without masks, that was very, very different. Uh, it, it wasn't an orga orgasm, but it was pretty close because it didn't reflect anymore. It was super, super energetic, like like flying on autopilot as fast as you can. I never sang better, better in years. Than at this show because it was so so liberating actually. That's great. Was the band kind of speeding up and like pushing the tempo because no, of the excitement? We can't. We can't. We we're having a, a metronome on, on the drummer's ears. Ah, oh, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. I love click tracks live. Well, well it's, it's it's a double-edged sword in a way. I mean, it's, it's it makes everything very constant. But I have seen bands, and I won't say which band it is because I like them actually. But they were one of the first to play with the click track, and I always felt they were so much on the click that it felt stale in the way I, I like it when when things are moving yeah yeah there's a, I, I used to have all these people come in mm. well my drummer's great live but he's terrible in the studio oh, yeah. and i would always tell them i would always tell them that that does not exist that doesn't exist no, if you can't play to a click you can't play to a click you're going to be terrible live you're going to be terrible in the studio absolutely absolutely and I think that's, yeah. that's one of the things that Dolph has always been extremely focused on. We've been playing for, I think, for 18 years now, I think, together. And uh, I mean, none of us were, were that great 18 years ago. But uh, he's always been one of the, these guys who could absolutely record a demo in, in a couple of takes because he was so on the click. So that's, he played with a, with a visual click some years back and we still were totally on the click just from by looking at it and now with with the audio click we're super tight actually yeah. well that's one of the things i that's one of the first things i noticed about the track was how consistent the drums were mm. and they didn't like a lot of times when drums are that consistent they sound inhuman they sound yeah, yeah, edited yeah. you know 
Now, whether you edited it or not, it didn't sound that way to me. It sounded like just a drummer on top of I everything think, he was doing. I think to be sure that this time we really had minim minimal editing on the drums. We, we had that in the past, of course. But I remember Charles saying Dolph was in a very fine form this time. I uh, he didn't he did basically nothing with the bass drums, for example, because they were super tight. And maybe once in a while you have to to move a tom slightly when when there's oh, yeah. something just to save the time. Actually, if you record another take, it takes you five minutes more or ten minutes more. So there in everything there is minimal editing, but there is really very minimal actually. Nice. Yeah. No. I, I think maybe that's what. I heard in this song that I loved and it, it goes back to what you were talking about when you're like, we did it like old school. Mm -hmm. We just had no time, went yeah, in, yeah. got it done, got the hell out. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that is it. I mean, I remember Ross, the boss telling me when he recorded the uh, guitar solo for battle him, I mean, everybody knows the solo. It's fantastic. And Ross said, I will do another take. It wasn't perfect. And gladly DiMaio told told him, leave it the way it is. It will never be better. It was the first take, and it's it's perfect. I mean, it's not precise, but it's perfect. Inspired, right? Yeah. Well, you hear you hear that on a lot of old Zeppelin oh, yeah. records too. Totally, totally, yeah. Like, I like when I was younger, everyone was like, Zeppelin was the tightest band ever, yeah. and so I had that in my head. But then when I became a recording mm -hmm. engineer and I started listening to mm -hmm. them, I was like, This band isn't even close to tight. <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> the only thing that that really that they had was a, a gigantic drum sound, so it sounded very tight. But they were absolutely loose, actually. Yeah. Yeah, like all the recordings were just get in, write the song, yeah. get out. And I mean, like, one of my favorite examples is if you think of the Prophet song by Queen, where Freddie is doing this this triple uh, this triple vocals with a double uh, delay. This now I know, now I know, and his voice is cracking, and you hear it crack in the middle and the left, and then on the right side, the take isn't perfect, but hell, the entirety is fantastic. So right, it makes sense in the end. Yeah, Ab absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was also a lot harder back then yeah. to just punch in a Absolutely. word or cut in a word. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you, you must say that back in the day, all the bands were very, very good players and they were fantastic. And now you really don't know if the bands are great or not. Until so. you see them live. Yeah, but if you see them live sometimes, I mean, at the Summer Breeze Festival, I saw a big headlining band with a female vocalist, and I won't say any more, uh, other than it wasn't Nightwish. Um, I'm not sure how much of that was live, actually. They they stood on stage and they played their instruments, but I'm not sure if everything was live at all. <laughs> Even then, it's, it's it's hard to say. Right. Mm -hmm. It is true, the way the, the world's yeah. working. It is. There was a, when, when do you think that shift happened to backing tracks live? Like, I kind of remember it around like 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. I saw Jack Panzer in '98, and they already had them. And I oh, really? Wow. Queenstrike. They Queenstrike had backing tracks on oh, yeah. the Rage for Order tour. What's what's '86 probably? Yeah. I think oh yeah. I I guess even the Who played with backing tracks, oh. right? For Bubba yeah, O'Reilly. Possible. Yes, yeah, possible. I mean, there's horror. There's horror stories of the tape machine oh, nice. burning, <laughs> burning up, and and they and like they lose that the organ. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and I mean, if if you if you if you're honest, I'm. Um, Queen had a backing track. They they performed the middle um, of, of Bohemian Rhapsody, just right. only playing the record actually. But I mean that's that's okayish. I mean if if you just if you don't fake anything, they went off stage, they played the tape, and they returned. It was obvious. But nowadays you can't really you can't really tell. I mean if if you have the time and I see you've got this beautiful Kiss artwork behind you, Bruce. But there is a, there is a, 
some some um, some tracks on on YouTube where They're you can horrible. hear what Stanley is hearing. Uh huh. Yeah, he's when, this when far the, away from the, the mic and he's screaming. I know it's horrible. Absolutely. And there is there some guy, probably a guy working for Kiss, put something online where you can hear what Stanley is hearing in, on the in-ear monitoring. There is a voice saying, "Hold your hands up, await no. for the count in three, two, one," and then. Stanley says one, two, three, four, and they start with uh, shout it out loud. So he, he's, he's told where to hold his hands. Well, that's really tricky. <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear two voices when he's singing and the playback is up front and you can hear one voice when, they, when he's really singing. So well, I'm going to even, even on the Motley Crue tour going on right now. Yes. Yeah. And you're taking all Rick my thunder. Mars is playing the backing yeah, tracks. Yeah, he's playing the backing tracks. You can hear a guitar playing in the background. Yeah. But yeah. did you Throughout see that Nick, that Tommy Lee thing where he. He was getting stuff set up with his. That was the count in though, and then there it was. Okay, no, 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 yeah. no I, haven't, I haven't seen it. I and he wasn't even at the set. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Chris, I know you yeah. had some funny things to ask before we uh, go because we said we keep it 20, 25 minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. So I like to do a thing where people react to YouTube comments on their videos. Oh yeah. Okay, how about this <laughs> from Joshua Martin Price? A king of death governs all, but afterwards there is a bliss for the spiritual-minded. Well, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, say anything to it. Actually, <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one from Rachel. All I could think in the opening was, "Yes, I'm paranoid, but am I paranoid enough?" Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I like your name. Hopefully you are paranoid enough. <laughs> one more? Of course. Okay. Okay. This one this one makes me laugh because I don't even understand it. This is one one from X Inferno. This doesn't sound like metal to me at oh. all, exclamation point. The vocalist has no power in the voice. Pity for the good instrument. Well, I mean, I must say I'm 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 quite cool with it because I play an instrument at the same time. So I, I, I seem to be okay, at least. <laughs> right. And okay. I, was reading you guys broke, I was reading you guys broke the top 50 charts in the last year or so. So you're doing something right, correct? Uh, pro probably. I mean, probably. I uh, think X Inferno can screw off. We broke the top 50 last year and we even broke the top 20 this year. It was uh, amazing. We were on 17. Nice. But I mean, okay. Ross... The boss, Ross the boss once said opinions are like assholes. Everyone has got one. And I mean, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And I do the same myself. Sometimes I, I, I'm standing with my, with my buddies in front of a, of, of, a, of, a, of a stage and someone plays and I say, oh, I really hate what they do. I mean, it's, it's not respectful, but that's how life is. I mean, it, right. it doesn't hurt anyone, hopefully. Okay. And this is my favorite one from, I can't pronounce this name. <laughs> Why do all people think metal people are satanic? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, um, as, as long as my grandmother is with us, I have to say, read the lyrics of the final song. We're not satanic. <laughs> you are <laughs> so awesome, be like man. somebody portraying, uh, portraying Adolf Hitler. He's not Adolf Hitler. He's just portraying it. So it's, it's for the sake of a story, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just I just like to do that because. Sometimes people on the internet, people on the internet, they have like, how do you say it? They're like, 
if they would never say that to anybody's face ever right, probably most. as a matter of fact <laughs> most of the people that are most outspoken like that are probably introverts and they don't really like to talk to people but on the internet yeah. they're strong I and they're tough my and they have small dicks course. yeah, yeah. I, I mean Oh, yeah, you never know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be quite a cool response. Why do all people uh, think heavy metal musicians are satanic? Wait, give me a second. Why do we think that everyone commenting on metal videos has a short stick or something? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, um, that's what Bruce Moore said. I didn't. Bruce, say you just got called out. <laughs> I just got quoted by Titan. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, the, the thing is, um, we have to live with that. And um, sometimes, very rarely, somebody really says something where you think that wasn't okay. But otherwise, to say, I don't like the vocalist. I mean, I've heard that so many times. And uh, you, you get you get something like, your voice is so touching. It moves me. And the next one says, your voice is absolute garbage. So, well, that's it. I mean, you can't, that, you can't the one thing that I find interesting when people attack somebody's voice <laughs> is like, that's the one thing about... Uh, a, per, a person can't Absolutely. change their voice, Absolutely. right? Like if you don't like your guitar sound, you can go get a different guitar Absolutely. and a different yeah. amp and different mics and yeah. different drums, whatever. I mean, that's you can't change your voice. That's the thing. I mean, uh, one of my most prominent examples is, is Halloween because when Michael Kiske left the band and Andy Darius joined the band, he was smashed to death for 20 years or so. Everybody hated him because he wasn't Michael Kiske. And then when, he, when they announced that Kiske was back, I read that Darius is still in the band, and I thought, Andy, are you are you nuts to stand on stage next to Michael Kiske? And I watched the show, and within two minutes, I was standing in front of stage, really seeing Andy Darius is probably the most intelligent guy in the business. He knew that once he would be there with Kiske together for the first time ever, everybody would know how great Andy Darius is, and he's fantastic. He's just totally different. So and when you when you got them both, I must honestly say I'm a gigantic Kiska fan. But maybe sometimes Darius is even more enjoyable. I don't know why. So it's well, interesting. You even see that with Arch Enemy, yeah. right? Everyone wants the Absolutely. old singer back. And like Alyssa's been in that band for how know. long? I don't know. <laughs> like and it's kicking ass, more right? More than ten yeah. years, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's that's just I mean, if you look at Nightwish, you got the same probably when when you have like uh, Taya. Everybody was was into Taya. Nobody was into Annette. But everybody loves Flo Janssen. I think Flo Janssen is one of the few people who is who is really capable to step out of the shadow of, of a legendary predecessor. But right. usually, find, the, the voice is always polarizing. Absolutely. Do you find the European metal community is a pretty close knit community? Like bands know everyone, basically. I mean, they I, know each other, or they're familiar with each other more. I mean, in a way, yes, there are there are many. Well, when you play a couple of festivals, the, the more you play, the more people you actually know. When we did Rock Hearts, I, I knew a couple of people. We played uh, Summer Breeze two, three months later. There were more like, hey, good to see you moments then, actually. And uh, on the other hand, I used to to help out some friends six years ago or so in a, in a wave rock band. And I was playing guitar in a wave rock band then. And I saw what what an audience they have. There is no scene, there is no community that's so dead what they do. And the band was really good, actually. So I think whatever I think you only find can that be metal. said about the metal community, yeah. absolutely. So whatever people might say about metal, this this is paradise on earth when it comes to music, because there is maybe in jazz and blues, it's similar, but the audience is older. 
but otherwise metal is the one music where you really can rely on an audience actually and that's that's a blessing absolutely absolutely it's even more so after the the, the pandemic thing because yeah. i think that the people feel how how much they missed it actually uh, the, I always I always say this, and I may may or may not be backed up factually with this. Actually, I know I'm not backed up factually, but I'm going to say it anyways because I believe it to be true. I think metal is the biggest genre of music in the world. Could be. I would be, yeah. Because the fans, metal fans, they buy the yeah. records, they buy the concert tickets, they yeah. buy the merch. Yeah, absolutely. They go to, ev- how, they go to every festival. They, and they, they wear that merch right? everywhere. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And the absolutely. pop, like if it's pop music... They might pack a stadium, mm-hmm. right? But they go to that show, and that's their show for the year. But oh, if you're oh, a metal, yeah. if you're a metalhead, you're at the clubs, you're at the bars, you're at the fest. Oh, you might see like you might see the same three times in a year because you love them so much. Absolutely, I I, I totally agree because I mean I, I went to see Genesis. I saw Genesis. It was fantastic, but I don't see anything else like Genesis. It was just going to Genesis. So that's it. I mean, if you're into metal, you you go and see more bands. You go to the festivals. I might agree with you. Absolutely. Hey, we're running out there of you time, go. Chris. Chalk it up for Chris Business 101. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're running out of time. I told you we keep it to uh, under 30 and we're right. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, absolutely. The, the, I hope the, that wasn't the too bad. thing is already finishing. No, I, I enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. So we were the better choice then? We try to keep this show different. I'm than- not at liberty to say <laughs> we 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 try to keep we try to keep the show yeah. different than that's the really regular, refreshing, like, honestly i really enjoyed it a lot and hopefully we'll meet again next year awesome hey before we go can i get to do well, bumper for next me? year <laughs> sorry maybe seventy thousand tons oh yeah i mean if we can we do before wait we go, wait go. would you like to be on seventy thousand tons of metal totally let's absolutely. put it out there well tell me why uh, f- first of all, I mean, uh, I like the ocean. I like the sea. I like ships. So we actually wanted to do that anyway. And I mean, it's it's super special. The, the, the band roster is fantastic. And from what I've heard from people who went there as fans, it must be a very enjoyable thing, actually. So totally, that would be a blessing. I mean, and I mean, it's, it's, it's like Wacken. It's like Wacken Festival. You go to Wacken, you go to 70,000 tons. That's yes. uh, the peak of everything. Absolutely. That's what we've been saying. We've been preaching Amazing. that for months. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, because there's nothing else like it. It's not as many fans, but it's it's yeah, that same notoriety absolutely. of metal so festival. If you a chance, we yeah. totally will go. So we put it out there in the universe. If it happens, it's because of us. See you next year on the ship. <laughs> absolutely. <yeah. laughs> Thanks for booking you us. Only- <laughs> If 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 you end up on that boat, you buy us a beer. We'll buy you a beer. No problem at okay. all. A dark beer for me, please. He drinks some <laughs> shitty stuff, so. No problem. Dark stuff, <laughs> shitty stuff, whatever you want. Thank you, my That's friend. Awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So re- very refreshing. So thank Excellent. you. Excellent. You got you. it. Take me well. Thanks a lot. Uh, as I always say, God bless the king. May the king bless you. And we'll see you on 70,000 tons of steel. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you, my friend. Be well. Thanks Thank a lot. Bye bye. All the best. Yep. Right, bye. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? 
Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.